What is back for the first time in exactly a month? Flames Talk is underway. Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, Flames Talk's back. What's up, buddy? Oh, man, I got goosebumps. I got butterflies. It's great to sit opposite you again, staring into those steely blue eyes of yours. I'm ready to go, buddy. Let's rock. Good to be back. It's uh, literally the last show that we did, the last show that got posted on our Flames Talk podcast feed was on July 14th. And here we are on August 14th. 2023 um it has been a month since we have been uh that we put a show together and we've got lots to talk about but also we don't have a lot to talk about. <laughs> like you know it's funny so one year ago we did a four-week hiatus on flames talk one so so last summer and i remember vividly in the four weeks that flames talk was not pumping out contact a uh, content rather in the summer of 2022 the Matthew Kachuk trade happened with Florida. Jonathan Huberto signed his record contract. Andrew Mangiapane and uh, Oliver Shillington also signed contracts. That was all in the span of the four weeks while Flames Talk was not going on. Like, there were a few things that happened. The Kiprasoft news was pretty cool. Uh, and and Hanzek signed. They, they named a new head coach in the American League in Trent Cole. But nothing to the same extent as what went on the last time we were on hi- hiatus. So... It's um, and then literally, I think the week that we got back on Flames Talk last year, Kadri signed. So like it was hot and heavy nonstop. We went away. Flames Talk signed off for a month, and we were talking about okay, will something with Noah Hannafin get done, or will Elias Lindholm make his decision? Will the Flames make another one of the moves and? you know, kind of check a box on this news checklist that we've had all summer long. The answer is no. We're sitting here talking. And in terms of the way the roster looks on August 14th, our first show back in a month compared to July 14th, our last show prior to hiatus, the roster looks exactly the same. Which is great for you because you didn't miss a thing, Patrick. Well, I don't. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't say this in like a flippant way. I don't care if I miss news. Like... We've got logo. We've got Vickers. We've we, we're, we're going to cover the news. I don't need to be here. There was a time when I would have been out of my mind if I missed news, but like I I I would not it would not have bothered me. I was just curious to see. I literally I didn't bother me last year because I was still in town for the Huberto trade, and so that blockbuster we still covered on Flames Talk, and then the rest of it I was just like, okay, cool. I'll put that in the back of the head, and um, and I'll be ready to talk about when I get back. But this year I was like, okay, what am I, what, what, what will happen when I'm sitting drinking a beer in Ooh. France or Berlin or wherever and nothing happened. And, and I don't know if that is a massive shock, but I am a little surprised that we're talking about nothing having gone down in the four weeks that Flames Talk's been um, on, on hiatus. 
Yeah, there certainly wasn't anything you meant. First of all, I appreciate you trusting Logo and I to, to hold the fort down while you're gone. That do. means a lot to us. Um, but yeah, you run through the list and some work, some work got done, some business. You mentioned Trent Cole getting hired by the Wranglers, uh, Sutter re-signing with the Wranglers, Hanzik entry-level contract, Topi Roni played for Finland at the World Junior Summer Showcase, Dustin Wolf won yet another award. Uh, you have the Mika Kiprasov uh, retirement yep. number announcement. announcement. Yeah. But yeah. You ran through it. Of the big news Hannafin's that we've been still waiting here. for, right? Lindholm's still here. Backlund's yeah. still here. If you want to go down the list of those unrestricted free agents next summer, uh, Tanev's still here. Zadorov's still here. Yep. Not much has changed, pal. So I, I just like to think that they're holding it all for you. And now that you're back, the uh, oh, now, floodgates now the floodgates are going to open. Gonna okay, open. Yeah. yeah. Um, the berm is going to burst. Is berm the right term there? The levee, I believe. The levee? What's a, a berm? A berm is just a, like a, isn't it like a grass knoll? Like a nice, isn't it just like a thing of Only grass? I had the internet right in front of me right now. Pretty sure the berm has something to do with grass. A flat strip of land, raised bank, or terrace bordering a river or canal. Okay, so, maybe. No, you might have been right then. Well, no, it is the levee. The levee breaks. The levee bursts. But apparently, maybe a berm can as well. I don't know. Um, so why do we think it is that there has been nothing from a, you know, significant news standpoint in a month for the flames? Well, um, I've started using my phone again. I was, uh, pretty disconnected for a good three and a half weeks there. It was wonderful. Uh, but I've started using my phone again, uh, and using the SMS function and the iMessage function again. Um, and so I've, I've checked around over the last couple of days. Even today was checking in with a couple of people, um, I think there's a few things at play right here. First of all, I believe that the salary cap situation has been a massive hindrance across the board. It is outside of the Eric Carlson trade, which took 600 moving parts to get done. Outside of that trade a couple of weeks ago, there's been next to nothing across the league. It's been a pretty quiet offseason in terms yes. of significant news. So if you're a Flames team that is looking to make significant decisions in this climate with essentially a flat cap again and so many teams completely up against it and so many teams needing to get very creative just to be cap compliant come the start of the season, there's just not a lot of teams that are able to, whether they have the assets or not, able to go out and make a lot of additions and, and add more millions to their cap. So I think when you've got that, that's a big reason why we're talking about nothing having gotten done here. I also am very confident that the offers remain very underwhelming right now and probably partially because of the cap situation. I think there's at least some sort of a connection there. But, you know, everything I'm told is that a lot of the offers for these guys, they straight up stink. And if you're going to be a team trying to get deals right and the offers just aren't there, you're still better in not making a deal just for the sake of making a deal that still doesn't, uh, that still doesn't make a lot of sense. And so... That's where things sit right now. So let's let's dive in a little bit on the specifics because we got lots of time. We've got two weeks. We've got 10 hours of Flames talk over the next two weeks to dive into some of this stuff. So we might as well start right now. Let's, let's start with Hannafin because I do think this is the one that has been, my understanding is this is the one that has been kind of the the most constant in terms of work being done and yeah. grinding being done. I don't, I don't think there's ever been uh, a time where Craig Conroy and, and that management group is let off the gas pedal or geared down on trying to make this move. 
as much as they haven't said it publicly, we all know Noah Hannafin has told them he is not interested in re-signing beyond his current contract, which expires in less than a year. He wants to play south of the border. He's loved his time in Calgary. It has been great for his career, but now he has earned his time as an unrestricted free agent. He has earned his ability to call his shot, and so he has been very professional, and it's been very, very um, professional the entire way. There's been no, um, there's, there's been nothing tenuous. It hasn't been acrimonious, but he's been just straight up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be signing a new contract, and I'm going to be exploring my options in the summer of 2024. So they've been trying to move him this entire time, but the offers have continued to be underwhelming. And if the offers are underwhelming on a deal that you need to get right, you've got to be patient as much as it pisses off pundit A and fan B. And and I get it. You're like, well, don't go into the season with these guys. I understand that. But just based on everything that I'm hearing is that, yeah, the offers remain really underwhelming right now, Vix. And so to just make a deal and be like, well, we got to trade Hannafin and it doesn't matter if the deal, the deals are underwhelming. We just got to trade them right now. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. And I think that there is something to be said about sticking to your guns. I think there's something to be said about setting a price and not moving off that price and being patient until that price can be met. And I believe that's exactly where things sit with Hannafin right now. But I also don't think that there's been any, any let off. I still think there's momentum from a flame standpoint to get this deal done. I still believe they're grinding away on this deal. And I still believe of all of the players that could be dealt before the start of training camp, I think 55 is the one that I would put at the top of my power rankings. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you ran through the list of reasons why they're... We know his intentions. His intentions, as you mentioned, are to sign a long-term deal south of the border, get back to the United States. As you mentioned, no ill will in the situation. It's just this guy is one year away from being a pending unrestricted free agent. He's earned the right to call his shot next summer. And it makes sense for the Calgary Flames, knowing this information, to move him. And he's the one that is the one I'm waiting. He's the domino that I think falls first. And I'm curious to see, and you, you mentioned, okay, there's not a lot out there right now. I was curious to see how the Eric Carlson situation might change that because I could understand the four teams that were rumored that Eric Carlson talked to. They're going to put Eric Carlson as the priority, and that's completely understandable. When you've got a 100-point defenseman who just won the Norris Trophy, had the most points by defense, first guy to crack three digits as a defenseman since Brian Leach in 92-93, I think it was. I thought that might loosen some things up for Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames. But when you look at the cap situation, according to Cap Friendly, as it stands right now, there are 12 teams over the cap. There are six teams that have That's less than, than a mil. third of the NHL well, hold on. over gets, the cap. It gets worse. I know. Six teams under a million, so we're up to 18 teams now. And there's an additional eight teams that couldn't take Hannafin's salary straight up if you were to move them just straight for a futures deal yeah. with no retention. So that's 24 teams. 24 out of 32. That is 75% of the teams immediately eliminated from the equation. Now that's just kind of being a little bit facetious because you can always do stuff to make things work. But as it stands right now, 24 of 32 teams couldn't take Noah Hannafin for free right now without having to figure something else out, make a corresponding move. So I think that is a major, major hiccup in terms of finding a dance partner to move Noah Hannafin. The other element is, okay, of the teams that have cap space that wouldn't need a corresponding move. And again, you're allowed to go over the cap in the summer. So this isn't as big a deal as I'm making it out to be. But how many teams really are on Noah Hannafin's list that say, if you trade me here, I'll sign an extension right now. I'll give them the eight years yeah. and you'll maximize your return. 
So it becomes a curious situation of, A, what's on Noah Hannafin's hit list in terms of destinations he wants to go? B, are they a trade partner for what you may need coming back? C, do you have to alter what you're asking for coming back? Mm -hmm. And then D, if you're working with a limited number of teams that are A, interested, B, can fit, and C, will give you the return, you've got to make sure they actually give you that return. Yep. You can, uh, this kind of reminds me of what you were talking about, kind of, this might be a stretch, it might be a groan, but remember when Brian Burke wouldn't move uh, Mike Camilleri at the trade deadline? Yep. I think he was offered a third or something. He's like, no, if I, if I set the market here, just make the trade at the trade deadline to make the trade, I'm fair game from here on forward. I, I need G, other GMs to know that this is my price. I'm not moving off my price. Meet my price or don't call me ever again. Yep. And yeah, Craig, Conroy, Craig Conroy, being a rookie GM to a certain degree, has to do the same. Well, he is a rookie GM. He's, his team has not played a single he's, game that he's matters. He's executed one trade so far, Tyler Toffoli. Yep. Unless I'm missing one. No, I don't that, think that's... That I think is... that's it. You can't waver at this point. You can't waver on transaction two if you're Craig Conroy. And if all things are no ill will, then you can drag this out as much as you need it. The relationship isn't sour. There's no concern that... You know, a player A is going to be bad in the room if he's not traded. I'm not even going to say his name to, to attach to it. So if there's no ill will, all sides are understanding of what's going on, and you're both working, understanding that a resolution will be met, then yes, take your time because, again, you can't afford to swing and miss on Hannafin. You can't afford to swing and miss on Lindholm. The, the Flames are in a tough spot. It's funny, as, as you were talking about all those teams that either are over the cap or have less than a million, seven of them don't have full 23-man rosters. Yeah, that's the other complication. Because you, you've got seven teams that are over the cap or have less than a million in cap space and don't even have 23 players signed. The Flames are one of them. The Flames are over the cap with 21 players on their uh, cap right now. They're in a tough spot because everybody knows that they are looking to make big decisions. Everybody knows that they've got all these pending UFAs and not all of them are going to be back, so they're going to have to look to move a few of them, Hannafin being at the very top of the list. And so you've got a rookie GM in a bad cap atmosphere environment, and that just leads to low ball offers. And so if you're Craig Conroy, you have to, you have to probably be a little pissed off the offers yep. that you're getting right now, but you can't let that emotion take over. And especially because I think you can be pretty confident that a guy like Noah will come to camp if they have to go down this road. And again, this is not a guarantee it'll go this way. There's still plenty of time before camp, and I don't think the Flames have let off in trying to make make this deal happen. But if Hannafin does have to come to camp, he's not going to be a distraction. Right. He's not going to be a detrimental. For, he's going to come in and be a pro and and do his job to the best of his ability. And that gives you an, uh, another number of months while you can trade him in season before it being one of those scenarios where like, well, yeah, but we're fighting for you know spot X in the Western Conference. We can't make this move right now. Yeah, so there would be two concerns, I think, that Flames fans would have in this situation. And the first is going to be, what if he gets hurt? And I, I kind of disregard for that sure. immediately because that can happen to anyone at any single time. It's I understand the cost-benefit analysis of moving him early so you don't risk the... I mean, you Injury would thing and so on. I don't think there's any doubt you'd rather trade him in the offseason right. if possible. 100%. And the next one is, as he kind of alluded to, what if they roll out of the gate winning 10 to 12 games? 
And what if they're fighting with, say, Vegas and Edmonton? They're flirting with first in the Pacific Division. And the further and further this drags on, the more and more competitive they remain. And now that's a great problem to have if you're the Calgary Flames to a degree. But you can't roll it into a situation like 2019 or what the, the what was it? 20, last summer. 2022. Wow. COVID's really got me messed up on timeline. Yeah, where you have a pending unrestricted free agent, Johnny Gaudreau, and you're the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. It wasn't even a conversation. Then. Well, here's how you, here's how you, okay, because I am very confident that just in, in conversations I've had and, and just even knowing Craig the way I know him, I don't think that he would be waiting until the deadline to make a move. And I think that if that is the way that it would have to go, I think that Craig Conroy and the Flames are, are pretty steadfast in that if they're not going to be letting these guys walk for nothing and they will trade them when there is still value. Would you rather not wait until the deadline? Of course. But let me give you a couple examples. Because the next bet, if we're still talking about Hannafin, which we are, you have this ideal circumstance, which is trade him in the next, what are we, four weeks from, five weeks from training camp? So you've got this, you know, four, five-week window, which is most ideal to trade him. So the team who gets him has him for the entire season and gets the maximum amount of evaluation time to see if they want to re-sign him, how he fits, all that type of stuff. Okay, so that's your ideal. The next best thing, though, and I've got a couple examples for you, I don't think it's completely untenable if you start the season with Noah Hannafin on your roster, and even if you get out to a 7-3 and three start, then you move him in November. So I, I'll give you a couple of examples. So the Matt Duchesne trade the Colorado made with Ottawa and Nashville in 2017 happened in early November. And everybody knew that the Avalanche wanted to trade Duchesne. Everybody knew the Avalanche were working hard to trade Duchesne. And Joe Sackick, who was a rookie-ish GM at the time, and at that time was not thought of the same way he's thought of now, Joe Sackick waited waited, waited, had a price, and orchestrated a masterclass trade that he won 10 times out of 10. All day long, Joe Sackick and the Avalanche won that Matt Duchesne oh, yeah. trade. They don't win a Stanley Cup a few years later if, if, and become cup contenders almost right away if they don't make that Duchesne trade. That brought him Gerard. That, that was a, an absolute masterclass. Okay, so that happened in early November. The Kyle Turris trade going back more than a decade when Turris was holding out, finally signed, and everybody and their dog knew that he was getting dealt. That happened in December. And at the time, Ottawa did pretty well on a deal that uh, they, sorry, Phoenix did pretty well on a deal that they knew, like everybody knew Phoenix was trading Kyle Turris. And they did a pretty good job on that deal as well. The Jack Eichel trade happened in November of 2021. An absolute blockbuster. And I know the circumstances were different because Eichel wasn't playing, but that happened in November as well. And that was a deal that sent NHL assets, including Alex Tuck, to the Buffalo Sabres. And that happened in November. Even last year's Bo Horvat trade that Vancouver did pretty well on, that happened in January. And that was a pending unrestricted free agent. So that's just four examples right there of deals made for players that everybody knew were getting traded. All four of those main pieces, Terrace, Duchesne, Eichel, Horvat, the entire league knew they were on the block. The entire league knew that they probably weren't going to be coming back to the team they were with. 
And in all four cases, the deals that the teams made ended up being pretty good, like the team trading that player away. So I, I say all that because Noah Hannafin is a top three defenseman at worst on most teams in this league. He's a top pair guy. He is 26 years old. He's got almost 600 NHL games to his belt. The Flames need to get a haul for him. The Flames need to set a price and stick to that price. And so to get that price, if they have to wait until late October or early November, I don't think that's untenable. I'm not saying that's what's going to be the case because I still think there's a chance that he gets dealt here in the next four to five weeks because I know that the Flames are still grinding away on this. But if it doesn't happen, I just don't think it's the worst thing in the world. You haven't said anything that I disagree with to that point. And I'd actually just for sheer curiosity, I'd like to see him go to training camp and enter the regular season. Because I think with Noah Hannafin, the Calgary Flames one through six on their blue line have one of the deepest defenses in the league. With Oliver and, coming and back with for Oliver sure. Yeah. coming back. And I would just love to see how that group of six functions altogether. Now, again, we might not be able to get to see that. Noah Hannafin could be dealt tomorrow. He could be dealt in a week. He could be dealt in a month. It could be six months. It's just a matter of Craig Conroy making sure he gets what he feels is a great deal for all the reasons you listed. He's a mid-20s defenseman who plays 23 minutes a night and is, to me... 40 points a year. Yeah, like set and forget kind of guy. Dependable, reliable. Yeah. Here's his minute munching. Here's what he's able to do offensively you mentioned 40 points year in year out kind of thing you got to you got to get what you i don't want to say deserve for him but you got to get what you need for him mm-hmm. especially knowing Craig Conroy's position as a rookie gm and and put in a tough spot like Craig Conroy's first off season is oh, yeah. not like that is not an ideal spot like hey here you go boat's yours we're missing a rudder and uh, there's sharks circling you. Like, go right in. Have fun, Craig. Uh, funny you use a water analogy there because I think it was, was it Brad Living when you're. Sh- this is more when the team's struggling, not uh-huh. necessarily as we're in the offseason, but anvils teams are throwing life. anvils, not life jackets yeah. for you. And Craig Conroy is getting tossed anvils. No doubt. Uh, on the Lindholm front, I do not think much has changed since the last <laughs> time we spoke. I like, there's an offer on the table, it's a good offer. They're waiting. The only thing that worries me on the Lindholm front, I, I still think it's ideal that he signs a contract with them, whether it's exactly the deal that's on the table this instant or whether there's some negotiation, whatever. But let's just say, for instance, that Elias Lindholm does decide to sign an eight-year deal at $9 million. Let's just throw that number out there right now. It's nice and round, $72 million. Let's just say that he does sign that deal. The only worry I have on that, as much as I still think it is the most ideal of all the circumstances. If he's waited this long and we're on August 14th and the off season for the flames began on like April 14th. So we're four months into the off season here and it's taken him that long. Okay. Maybe he's not quite that long. They had to figure out the GM, but still we're talking about months of this deal being on the table and it's taken him as long as it has to make a decision. And we don't even know if he has made a decision yet. Don't think he has. How much does he actually want to stay? That's the only thing that I worry about. Even if he signs it, is it him signing it because he wants to be here? Or is it him signing it because it's the best deal he's going to get? And if it's option A, then 10 times out of 10, you love that. If it's option B, I'm a little bit more concerned. That's all. See, where I would go with that discussion is if he's not sure and he's worried about is this the best deal he's going to get, I wonder if you ask him to submit a list of teams that he would sign an extension to and then have some conversations about what the extension looks like but on the other side. But if you're his agent, are you disclosing that? 
Like, are you going to the Flames and saying, yeah, he's only signing because this is the best deal he's going to get? Well, I don't, I don't think you necessarily sign away another eight years of your life if you're unsure, to be perfectly honest. There's some unknowns. Not everything's going to be known over the course of the eight years you're signing the extension, nine with the one year he's got left on his current contract. I'd just be curious if, if he's only signing it because, yeah, this is the top dollar then I'm not necessarily sure that's from the team perspective. You're like, Ooh, I don't know how much I like that. And I agree with you. We're nothing's changed in the month. You've been gone literally for the Calgary flames active roster. Yeah. It's the exact so, same. so why are we dragging our heels? Well, and I, I do wonder on the Lindholm front, if it's better to set yourself an internal deadline, not an internal deadline where he better be dealt by this day, but like an internal deadline where from Conroy's point of view, or yeah, from, from Conroy's yeah. point of okay. view where you start maybe to pivot your direction. All of a sudden say it's August 15th, which just happens to be as we're talking right now tomorrow, but let's just say it's August 15th is your internal deadline. And that's your deadline to go, okay, deal's on the table. We're not going to take it off the table, but now we're going to start exploring some trades. Now we're going to start maybe making some phone calls, maybe get into the same mode that we're in with Hannafin in actively trying to move this contract, seeing what's out there, and start to lay, uh, lay some foundation, plant some seeds. And maybe it doesn't get done before the start of the season, but if you're going down that direction, and the conversation we just had about Hannafin, I think applies the same way to Lindholm in that, Say Tampa Bay or Boston gets off to a brutal start to the year. They're two and eleven or or three and nine to start the year. Teams with high expectations, and now the Tampa Bay Lightning come calling. They're like, okay, we really need Elias Lindholm. Like we re- we're willing to give up a first and a prospect. Like we, it's it's time. Well, then you probably played this right if if you're the Flames and you've already talked to Tampa during this time where you've changed your. Uh, change your approach to the whole thing. Again, I'm not saying it's going to be Tampa. That's just a name that came to my head right away. That's the only thing that I, I wonder a little bit about on the Lindholm front. The only thing I wonder about is whether or not he's waiting to see what a return looks like for Noah Hannafin, whether it's going to be a hockey trade or a futures trade before mm-hmm. making up his mind. Now, I don't necessarily think if I'm in those shoes... That's the end-all, be-all. Whether or not I'm going to spend eight years here is whether or not they get a defenseman back that can play top four minutes and try to remain competitive through this transition. Like, to me, that's a little short-sighted. But again, I don't understand. We've been here four months now knowing that this is the situation that it was going to be. What's the holdup? You know, and I, I don't think this is the first time I've said this, but if you are... Setting the price, and we'll get to some of the other names in just a second, but if you're setting the price and sticking to it, then I don't think that your return for Hannafin should be all that different, especially if it's going to be a futures-only trade, than what you paid to get Dougie Hamilton and what you paid to get Travis Hamannick, which in both cases, a first and two seconds. One turned out to be a gross overpay. One turned out to be really good value. The Hamilton deal, you'd take that all day long, in hindsight, a first and two seconds for Hamannick, that was probably an overpay. It felt like it might have been at the time. Turned out that it really was when it was all said and done. So, but that should be around a first and a second, a first and two seconds, a prospect a and first, a pick, second and a prospect. Or yeah. a first and a prospect that is kind of of that realm. Like, that's what your price should be. So wait until you get it. Wait until you get that. Because Hannafin and Hamilton 
does Dougie have more offensive upside? Yes, I think he's more of an offensive power play guy for sure. But I don't think they're that far removed from what their value should be, especially when they're hitting the market. Noah Hannafin, as you mentioned, plays like 22 to 25 minutes a game. He gets you in the 40-point range the last two seasons. The most he has ever missed in a season is three games. He is one of the most durable defensemen in in the league. Like 79, 81, 79, 80, 70, 47, 81, 81. Now 47 was in the 56 47 was in the 56-game season. So, sorry, I thought that was 48 games. So the most he's ever missed is nine. Nine. And that was one year. He played all but three in his first year, all but one in his second year, all but three, all but two, every game. Then the year where he missed nine, the last two seasons, he's played 81 games each. Like we're talking about a very durable defenseman who's still young, has almost 600 games under his belt, can chip in offensively, is a great skater, and is on most teams' top pairing, if not easily in their top four, without question. You should be getting a haul for that guy. I mean, you laid it Set out your right price there. price and stick with it. He's productive. He's got six, 598 games of experience, plays 23 minutes a night. If you need him, he can play either side of special teams. Yep. Set and forget. Yeah. And there's, a really a lot of, and there's a lot of teams that would love a defenseman like that. Uh, on the Backlund front, all along, I, I, I know the offers have been very underwhelming on Backlund, which is fine. Underwhelming offers, but don't take them. Like you have no re- you have no reason to trade Michael Backlund for anything other than what he's worth, which I still think is a decent amount because I know for a fact, because I've talked to both sides about this, I, I know for a fact that Michael Backlund would come back, be a pro, be a yep. leader, be a great player, and and be no different in the final year of a contract than he has been. And all the charity stuff, all the off-ice stuff, all the leadership stuff, all the professional stuff, and he's still a pretty damn good player. Nothing changes even if he comes back in the final year of a contract without an extension. So you have no reason to make a bad trade for Michael Backlund right now. So if the offers are underwhelming... You say, okay, and if the offers remain underwhelming until the trade deadline, you say, okay, we'll continue along with Michael. He's played his entire career with us, and then we'll see if he comes back or not. There's no issue with that in my mind. I don't even entertain offers on him right now, to be perfectly honest, because I need to know what's going to happen with Elias Lindholm. If Elias Lindholm leaves, I'm keeping Michael Backlund and not taking an offer on him until a week before the deadline. Because if you move Lindholm and Backlund, suddenly you've got Nazem Kadri. You're probably getting Dylan Dubé to slide into the middle. Now he's playing 2C. You've got Adam Rizichku who's going to fit somewhere. Just, I make sure I have Michael Backlund on my roster as long as possible to insulate some of the younger guys that are going to be coming up. And you're basically going to be have, asking Michael Backlund to train his replacement before he's on his way out the door, to be perfectly honest. And I think you get just as much from Michael Backlund at the trade deadline as you would today. So unless somebody comes and blows the doors off on I an think offer, you might get more from him. You probably him would get deadline. more, to be you perfectly honest. You could at least honest, make that argument. But you at least. I firmly believe, in the very least, you're getting exactly what you'd get for him at the deadline as you would today. So I bring him along all the way into March, and I ask him to be a leader, be a mentor, because we need somebody to come up and take your spot. Please do this for us, and we'll accommodate what you need. Uh, Let's read a couple of texts at 969.60. Mick writes, the three worst trades in Flames history, Gilmore and Risebrow, Phaneuf and Sutter, and Kachuk and Tree, all panicked and rushed. Iserman has patience. And I think the point the Mick's trying to make is the Flames need to have patience as well, which I fully agree with. Look, old, old Mick and I 
have not agreed on many things over the years, <laughs> but over the last number number of months, they were sing, they're singing from the same hymn book. I don't know what's happening. Mick I mean, probably, just, a, Mick, just a little Mick, time away. Mick, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mick probably believes I've gotten smarter. Is the way that he'd probably phrase it. Don't know if that's true. Um, this says, uh, boys, do you not think the whole thing is waiting on Lindholm? If he wants out, then I believe the Flames go rebuild and will want picks or prospects back for Hannafin. That comes from Hacksaw, um, and and could very well be. Like the, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're fully connected, but I don't think that they. I, I do think that there could be some rub off from one onto another and vice versa. Well, and for me, it would depend on what your return is for Lindholm. If Lindholm is a straight futures deal and that's the best deal, then yeah, I don't think it would make sense asking for an NHL defenseman back in a Noah Hannafin trade. You go futures on one, you go futures on the other, but I don't necessarily think you need to go futures on Lindholm if all you get for Hannafin is futures, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense to you. Dan and Cochran writes at 969.60, if Lindholm does sign 8.9 or in that range, are we worried that the Flames will have $27 million paid to three 30-plus-year-old forwards for five years with guys like Dubé, Anderson, Wolf, Coronado, Hanzek, uh, likely, hopefully, needing significant raises in that time? Even with the cap going up, they could be in a position they're paying a first or more to offload one of these contracts. Given this roster hasn't shown it's a contender, is that a risk they're willing to bet? Honest question. I don't want to lose Lindholm, but the future could be rough if they keep them and we don't even know if they're competitive now or not with this current roster flip side it could also be rough if they don't that comes from dan and cochran it's a very fair question it's a difficult dilemma i have wrestled with it myself because i fully understand the downside to signing a player of lindholm's age to a max term but when i do all the cost benefit analysis to steal your term earlier i still think keeping lindholm on a deal of that ilk is desirable to trading him and obviously to losing him for nothing. But I still think it is desirable to keep him as opposed to having to trade him because you're not getting a player of Lindholm's caliber back right away in a trade. And there's no guarantee that a future asset turns into a player of Lindholm's caliber either. So I still lean, you know, it's not, it's not full on like it would have been with Johnny, but you know, I, I still think it's better to keep him because you finally found a guy who's a number one center in this league. It's definitely fair to have that debate. There's no doubt about it. The one thing that I feel might cushion this a little bit is the cap rising, and we'll see where it goes over the course of the next eight seasons. We know it's going to jump a decent amount next year. Finally. But that, but that does not necessarily make it okay, and I'm not saying this specifically to Lindholm, but that doesn't make it okay to overspend now because you know you're going to have the room in the future. You still have to be cap aware and manage your roster from a salary perspective to the point to take full advantage of when it does jump to allow you to do other things. So yeah, it would give me pause to know that you've got three guys tied up in significant deals going into their mid fit, mid thirties, not mid fifties, mid thirties, but you will get some relief when the cap goes up at the same time. You got to do way that cost benefit analysis I just don't see where the Calgary Flames are getting another number one C in the next three to four to five years. Uh, This is great to hear you guys back with Flames Talk. Joe Sackick waited forever to trade Matt Duchesne. He eventually got a solid return, but he waited that out forever. He did. He took a lot of heat for it. He blocked out the noise and made a banger of a trade. And so if that is the situation the Flames have to find themselves in, then you have that as a model. And you have that as an example of how waiting and sticking to your guns 
ends up paying off. And the good, these, oh, go the ahead, good sorry. thing with this market right now is nobody's yelling at Craig Conroy to pull the trigger on a deal, particularly if everything they're hearing is the returns have been underwhelming. Nobody wants Craig Conroy to go out and make a trade for the sake of making a trade in this market. As far as I can tell, whether that be media fans, whoever, they want him to make the right trade. And so that way I think everybody I, there, involved I, can be some, patient. I, I've talked to some people okay. who are a little critical of like, why hasn't they said, you're the GM, you have to make a good trade. What are you waiting for? I've, I've heard some of that out there. Um, I don't buy into it as it stands right now. Like I'll be super critical of Craig if he lets these guys go for nothing, but we're eight months away from that being a reality, right? So I'm willing to let this thing play out, especially because I believe Conroy's got a plan. I believe Conroy's got a vision. I think that he has got a price set and kind of a, a rules of engagement for how he wants to go about it with certain guys. And so I'm letting this thing play out. I've only been on the job for a couple of months and got thrown into piranha-infested waters. So I, I And he'll be tested. He's and he being has been tested, tested. Like every day right now. Uh, and then finally, some people more knowledgeable than us. Um, Mike from the ranch says a berm directs water, a levee or dam contains and or blocks it. And then this read uh, reads up uh, the terms berm, dike and levee are commonly used interchangeably to describe each structure that is used for flood mitigation. The main difference between the terms is how each is built to mitigate flooding. So, so we both win. Like, I think your usage of the word was proper. Okay, that's all I'm really concerned about at the end of the day is whether or not I'm right about terms I know nothing about. <laughs> it's good. Uh, Pat Vickers, Flames Talk is back. Uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, so we spent the uh, first more than half of this hour talking about what hasn't happened in the month that Flames Talk's been on hiatus. It's nice to be back. Steinberg and Vickers along with you. But mostly you Steinberg. Podcast. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm known to. I'm just glad to see you back gums. in that chair again, buddy. I'm, I missed you. Good to be back. I uh, that was a long time off. My uh, the Louvre and the Eiffel Tower jokes on your Instagram that weren't those actual landmarks were a little long in the tooth today. Yeah, they? that that made it really really difficult to enjoy my health. I believe you. <laughs> Probably owe you a couple of bucks for some beers you had to drink to just look at my terrible no, they were, messages. They were actually pretty funny. Um, okay, so what the heck has happened since Flames Talk has gone on hiatus? There's been a, a few things. None of them of the. Uh, impact level that a lot of people were hoping for and are watching. But let's go through a few things and just just bounce uh, bounce some things off of one another. Um, I, I came up with three that I, I think have been most significant over the last four weeks since we've been off. Uh, July 18th, the Flames announced, kind of shockingly and out of nowhere, there was no real buzz about this. And then all of a sudden, here you go. Uh, they're going to retire Mika Kiprasov's number 34 on March 2nd of the coming season, home game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which I believe would be five years to the day of them retiring Jerome McGinley's number. I believe it's five years, March 2nd, 2019, and March 2nd, 2024. Um, that was, like, when that 
that news popped yep. off. It went from what are, I wasn't working, but I was like, what's going on in Flamesland to 70 million likes on all these different tweets about Mika Kiprasov getting his number retired. Because I think that the prevailing thought from Flames fans was it's about damn time. And so you get the news and it's not like we were expecting it. It's not like people were waking up every day saying, when's the Mika Kiprasov retirement ceremony announcement going to be made, but it gets made. You're like, damn right. It's about time. That's awesome. Um, you know, I think there was a lot that was made about, you know, having Jerome and Conroy as part of the management group and Conroy being the man at the front of the pack. Now, how, how much of an impact that would have made knowing their connection to Mika. I just thought it was pretty cool to see that. Uh, and you know, even to see that still is the pin story on the flames, Twitter account. And, that's a that is a cool thing. Whether they are in the playoffs or fighting for a lottery spot on March second of next year, that is must see TV, and that is going to be the hottest battle of Alberta. Whatever that is going to be the hottest ticket of the year. So about damn time. I think it's super cool that we're less than a year away from number thirty four going up to the Raptors. The announcement was sort of like when he just randomly showed up at the Saddle Dome back in December of twenty nineteen, and it was like, oh, I we're gonna put him on Jimmy on that because yeah. the Jumbotron guys told me it was happening. But from a fan perspective, it's like, oh, Kipper's here. Oh my god, is this this is the first time he's been back? And the building exploded, and now it was just like, oh. Kippersoff's number is being retired. Again, no sort of lead-in, just kind of out of nowhere. I'm pretty sure it's unanimous when everybody was like, yep, it's about time. I don't think that's necessarily an organizational thing. I'm sure COVID threw a wrench into it as well. But it's also kind of like the most Kipper thing to just kind of slide under the radar as much as possible until you just literally couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Best goalie in franchise history? Not best career, but best goalie. Straight up, if there's a game seven tomorrow, who do I want in the yep. prime? Mika Kiprasov, 100%. And to be fair, he is the franchise leader in games played by a goalie at 576, wins with 305, shutouts with 41, save percentage 913, goals against average at 2.46, and holds the single, single season record for wins at 45 in 08 and 09. Shutouts. And shutouts. With 10. And won the Vezina in 06 and was a finalist for and the heart. And that's not even a knock on Vernon, who's going into no. the Hockey Hall of Fame, and deservingly so. Vernon's got the cup. Vernon's got two. He was he was a starting goalie for Conn two. Conn Smythe too, does he not? Am uh, I did, misremembering did he win, that? I think he won a Conn Smythe with Detroit. I, I believe, thought he did. I believe he did. McKinnis won it with the Flames, but uh, I believe he won it with Detroit in 97. Um, I'm almost positive he won the Conn Smythe. It sounds, it sounds like something that happened, right? So it's not saying, like, Vernon's got the best career because he's got right. the cup. But I think, and I think part of it is era to era. But yeah, I'd go Kippersoff. But when was, you put it into perspective of, Game seven, who do you want between the pipes for the Calgary Flames? Pluck the player out, pluck the year out that you want him from. And it's hard to argue against Mika Kiprasov being your goalie of record yeah. in a do or die kind of situation. And game. Vernon did win the Conn Smythe in 97. Thought so. Yeah, I was all, I have a and that's cup. So that's crazy. I'm picking Mika Kiprasov over the guy that has won a Conn Two Smythe. Two and a Conn Smythe. But that just goes to show, like, it was Kiprasov, it was Brodeur, it was like... There were about four or five oh, yeah. goalies in that era that were just so far Lundquist. head and shoulders above everybody else. Yep. And yeah, Mika Kiprasov, best goalie in franchise history. I want to make a, a comment, but I'm just not, I'll make it off the air because 
my first day back, I just don't need to be going that far into the creepy comments. So I'm just not, I'll, t- I'll say it off the air. Okay. Um, He's a little concerned about that, but okay. On July 17th, so a day before the Kippersoft news, Flames hired Trent Cull as the second head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Um, I'm, here's what I'll say. I, I don't have, I don't really have a strong opinion on the hiring. I know that Cole's got a ton of experience, both as a head coach in the American League and the Ontario League, Sudbury and Utica. Uh, and I guess, would he have been in Abbotsford? Was Abbotsford there when he, or were they still in Utica? Anyway. Yeah, he uh, spent one year as a head coach in uh, okay. Abbotsford. So Abbotsford, Utica in the American League, Sudbury in the Ontario League, plenty of assistant experience in the Ontario League and the American League, and now most recently one year as a Canucks assistant. So I'm, I'm interested in the hire but I'm more just overall optimistic on it because of Brad Pascal's track record of hiring coaches. Like you take a look at the guys that he's hired. All of them have gone on to work in the NHL. You've got, and, and two of them or the last two, sorry, the last guy has won the last two coach of the year awards in the NHL. Who's now in Washington and Mitch love. You got Kale McLean and Ryan Huska. One's a head coach and one's an assistant coach on your team right now. So I'm just more optimistic about the hire because Brad Pascal's done and, and the flames management group has done a really good job of identifying who the next good guy is and who the, who the right fit is for the organization. So do I, can I sit here and tell you I'm super familiar with, Trent Cull's actual work as a coach. Sure, I can tell you his resume and where he's worked, but his his actual work as a head coach? No, I'm not super familiar with it. But I I am interested in the hire because of the track record of this American League management group. Yeah, I like it. It's a little bit different than the past hires where you mentioned Huska Love and Kale McLean. They kind of came out of junior. Now Kale started as an assistant in the American Hockey League, then head coach in the ECHL before uh, jumping back up. Cull's had a lot more experience over a longer stretch in the American Hockey League. Plenty of experience. You highlighted it there. Um, Logo and I had the chance to talk to him after the hiring, and the biggest takeaway that I had is he is fully understanding of walking the line between creating a winning environment and creating an environment that's going to best develop the prospects for the Calgary Flames. So he's very cognizant of both, knows how to walk the line for both, but when push comes to shove, my understanding is he's worried more about development than winning. So if the Calgary Wranglers aren't the top team in the American Hockey League next season, I don't think that's how you're going to judge Trent Cull. You're going to judge him by what he's able to do from here on out to help the development of Calgary Flames prospects. And finally, we can get into this a little bit later on this week, but the other, the, the really uh, the last kind of really significant piece of news that we missed while Flames talk was on hiatus. Uh, Sam Honzek signed his entry-level deal, 950 AAV, uh, for three years, but because of when they signed him, and not like this is good, like we knew this was going to happen. Like the Flames were aware of the entry level slide rules, so of course they, they, they were did to get Oliver this Shillington done. for like eight years in a row, did they not? Rasmus Anderson, or was it Rasmus that I was thinking? One of them, I think Shillington had it ported twice or slid twice. I believe Rasmus had it slide twice as well. Maybe once, it's Rasmus. I'm once in of the uh, Ontario League and once in the American League. Essentially. Because of when they signed him and Hanzek's birth date, of course, Calgary's first-round pick in the most recent draft in Nashville, they have the ability. It's less significant this year because if he goes back to the Western League and plays with the Giants again, which I think is still the expected decision, yeah. then it wouldn't have counted anyway. His contract would have would have slid. Where it's interesting is the 2024-25 season, which will be his overage year in the uh, on the Western League, 
which means he's eligible to play in the American League. If he plays all season in the American League, most players would have the first year of their entry-level contract toll, but because he signed when he did and his birthday is when it is, as long as he plays fewer than 10 games in the NHL, he can spend as much time in pro hockey in the American League and his entry-level contract will not start tolling. He'll still get paid, uh, but the entry-level deal won't start rolling until the next year. So that is, a, you know, it's a nice option to have. I think the Flames would much rather have him playing more than 10 games in the NHL because that means he's ready, but it's a nice option to have in your back pocket. But I think we can talk, let's talk a little bit later yeah. on this week about Hanzek and what the expectations could or might be for him even right away for this coming season. Yep, I'm curious because it's going to be a big debate where you stand on, as you said, the, I don't think the expectation for him is to be in the lineup in October. We've said that well, in the past if, about a lot of prospects. Now, typically those have been top six prospects overall, not necessarily a guy in his teens, but there's certainly a lot of discussion that we're going to have over the course of this week yeah. on Sam Honzik. Uh, Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Good to be back with Cam and Taylor as uh, they're behind the scenes putting this whole thing together. My name is Pat. Flames Talk is back for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be chatting Flames with you again. And it's good to be getting some content pumped out on the Flames Talk podcast channels, which, as you know, are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. That'll wrap us up this hour. This has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.